the Internet's most listened to talk radio network, VoiceAmerica.com, with Joyce Bender and Disability Matters. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Welcome to the show, and if you're listening to this show today, you are going to hear one of the best shows we've had in three years. So you make sure, if you've heard this show and your friends have not, that you send them back, as you know, all my shows are archived for for the past three years on my website, BenderConsult.com, and on Voice America, because this show is so important. It is my great honor to have an award-winning, internationally known author who, by the way, has been nominated several times for the Pulitzer Prize, and to me, a true civil rights leader, Mr. Edwin Black. He is an investigative author of 47 best-selling books available in 13 languages and in 40 countries. As I mentioned earlier, he has been nominated eight times for the Pulitzer Prize, and he has dedicated his life to exposing hatred, genocide, and corporate misconduct. His book, War Against the Weak, really hits people with disabilities, all 54 million of us, right between the eyes, and I feel it helps to explain the attitudinal barriers we are facing today. Edwin, welcome to the show. And thank you so much for having me. Well, to me, you are a champion, and it is my honor to have you on this show. As I have spoken when I speak across the United States, I have told people frequently, War Against the Weak should be required reading for all Americans with disabilities. And I'll tell you that of all books I've ever read, this book had a really profound impact on me. And I just, first, for all Americans with disabilities, want to thank you so much for the work that you've done. Well, thank you for those very, very kind words. It, of course, was very painful to write the book because it was painful to discover that so much of the horrors that uh, have been visited upon the disabled uh, originated uh, out of law, legality, and the establishment, and, of course, then was transferred over to Nazi Germany as a macabre uh, vision for the future. Yes, it was. It was very hard to read. But before we go into that, I have a question, because I wondered this as I read several of your books. Can you tell our listeners what led you to dedicate your life? Because, you know, you've dedicated your life to writing about genocide and hatred. And as I read this book and I saw, wow, the research you do is absolutely unbelievable, research and documentation in your footnotes. But as I read this book, I thought, how painful this would be to uncover all of this and spend so much time doing this. And I admire you so much because there are many of us that probably would not be able to do what you've done, let alone to be such a skillful writer as you are. But but what, what caused you to do this? Well, as is known, uh, my parents were victims of the Holocaust, and my mother escaped from a boxcar on the way to Treblinka, and my father stepped out of, out of line on the way to a shooting place. And uh, they survived for a reason. And so I've always thought it incumbent upon me not to uh, waste my time, but to devote my time 
to understanding why. Why do people have prejudice? Why do people have fear? And why do people uh, act out their prejudices in such a horrific fashion? And uh, maybe at some point I can even tell you what it is uh, about the, uh, uh, the ethos of fear that causes people to persecute others. Well, wow. I mean, I know from reading other books about the Holocaust, I can't ima- I can imagine the impact that had, but you are to be admired as the son that really did some, something great and to speak for those that cannot speak. For example, when I read War Against the Week, which as I mentioned had such an impact on me and everyone listening to this show, you must buy this book, War Against the Week, Eugenics and America's Campaign to Create a Master Race, which is a phenomenal book that will help you understand the attitudinal barriers that exist and what can happen when things go wrong. But um, and when, when I read this book, I have to tell you something. I don't remember reading about any of this in American history. You know, I'm 52 years old. And just the other evening when I was in Houston, Texas, I told a very intelligent investment banker the story about your book, War Against the Week, and he and his wife said, are you sure that's true? I said, no, I'm, yeah, I'm positive that it's true. And you know what? I, don't, I know Americans do not understand the history in this country that you just talk about that, that relates to eugenics in America and what happened, you know, on Long Island and through the funding of well-known institutions like the Carnegie and Rockefeller. Why, why didn't we ever hear about this before? We didn't hear about it because, A, it was so entrenched in American life, B, uh, after we uh, liberated uh, Europe from the horrors of Nazism, uh, uh, it became clear to us that was that what was treasured and institutionalized in American life became the basis for a nightmare of genocide uh, in Europe. And so, uh, fun- uh, fundamentally, we took uh, the stance of the victors and detached ourselves from the re- from the reality that we were the predecessors, uh, and in many ways the facilitators of the um, uh, of the monsters of the Third Reich uh, through our economics, uh, through our politics, and in the case of eugenics, through our science. Horrifying. Horrifying, and, and this leads to this question from Linda in New York City, saying, Mr. Black, first of all, as far as I'm concerned, as a person with a disability, I feel that you should be a Nobel Peace winner or whatever is the appropriate prize, let alone a Pulitzer Prize winner, for the work you're doing, reaching out and speaking for those that could never speak because they were never born. I want to thank you, and I want to commend you. And I'm wondering if the reason this hasn't been talked about earlier in our history is because we felt we were so connected to what occurred in Germany. Of course, is what I've just said, that yep. this is uh, organized a denial uh, on the part of, uh, the, of, of American uh, society. Uh, and uh, once we realized that uh, we were part of the problem as well as being part of the solution, we just uh, denied that aspect of our own history. Mm -hmm. Which is so terrible. 
It really is. And do you think, Edwin, do you think that very uh, a very large percentage of people in America today are familiar w- with what happened in this country with eugenics? No, I think they are not. And uh, it is because they are not that people like you and many others uh, continue to be astonished each and every each and every day. You know, even though this book was written and published in uh, um, 2003 and 2004, a day does not go by when I do not receive uh, 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 passionate pleas from individuals who wish me to respond to their situations, their, their, their family situations, or great thanks uh, for illuminating the problem, for explaining what has occurred. I get this from all over the world. And that leads me to think that we still have a lot to do in explaining to the community what um, uh, what persecution the disabled have undergone. Now, you must understand that um, uh, one one man's disabled person is another man's uh, uh, is another man's uh, uh, great able person. Mm-hmm. If you just look at the chapter entitled "The Blinded," which is how the the ophthalmology profession, as a profession, as a group, organized itself to sterilize everybody with a vision problem. Look at that, and you will see that uh, uh, they had the intention of uh, removing from this planet everybody who wears glasses. Yes, and you want to know what shocked me about that chapter? Lucian Howe. Who, who they still, if I'm correct in your book, you mentioned there is still an award given in his name? Of course, he is the, uh, he is the great pioneer and, uh, and great visionary of ophthalmology, and yet this is a man who, who attempted to organize uh, genocide, and no one from the ophthalmology community in all these years has ever stood up to say there's one comma wrong with any of this information. Uh, look, uh, it's not in the book, but one of my original investigations was of something called spina bifida. When I was uh, a young investigative reporter in Chicago uh, in the 70s, I did an article about spina bifida for a magazine called Chicago Monthly. And in that magazine, uh, I revealed that the standard of care in Chicago was to starve the newborn uh, and allow the newborn to die, which harkens back to the oh. black to the black stark or black stork, which is one, in one of the chapters about infanticide, organized infanticide mm-hmm. uh, on, along eugenic lines. Now today, some years later, we have downhill uh, skiing spina bifida teams. And spina bifida people are not only downhill skiing, they're wonderful, productive members of society. And yet we have found them so, um, uh, so unqualified. Science, medical science has found them so un- unqualified for life that uh, as soon as they were delivered, the idea was to starve them to death by withholding all of their nutrition. In other words, passive euthanasia. And, you know, as, as Edwin Black is mentioning this, to anyone listening to the show, get the issue of People magazine that's out about the family that wants to sue the hospital because they did not tell this couple that the child was going to have spina bifida. Uh-huh. Well, um, uh, now the other thing that one should understand is not every medical abuse and medical mistake is eugenic. Mm-hmm. Because the object of eugenics was to remove a bloodline, an entire family, 
And so it, it is true that the mindset that uh, launched eugenics in the United States is the same mindset that even in a reformed con- condition can engage in the diminishment of, hu- of human life and say this person is qualified and that person is not qualified to, to live. That said, we should always uh, seek uh, modern medical miracles and modern medical uh, techniques for um, uh, choosing the best among us uh, to um, uh, to bring into life. In other words, uh, to uh, uh, have proper parental counseling, proper genetic counseling. Correct. And you made that very clear, and we'll be talking about that later on in your book. Right now we're going to break. But if you just joined the show, you are so lucky because we have a great man, a great leader, a great author, Edwin Black, Pulitzer Prize nominee, international author, and one speaking for us. This is Joyce Bender. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back with Edwin Black. The authority and Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. At Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S. and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you're listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkgaard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time. Invoke thought, feeling, and inspiration into your life right here on voiceamerica.com. This week on Slice of Sci-Fi with Michael and Evo, our guest is Jamie Bamber. You'll know him from Battlestar Galactica. He plays Leah Dama. We talk about Battlestar Galactica and get a look inside of Jamie's life. Of course, we'll cover all the sci-fi news for the week as usual. That's Slice of Sci-Fi with Michael and Evo.
bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And we are back with Edwin Black, author and champion of hope for all of us, who really has spent his life speaking out for those who have been oppressed and really victims of hate and crime. And we're talking today about his book, War Against the Weak. And, uh, Edwin, you know, when I read this book, and here was another really hard, hard problem for me. How in the world did intelligent people, now this is what I'm reading about, the feeble-minded and the defective, quote-unquote, being subjected to legislative segregation and forced sterilization. How in the heck did intelligent people like Margaret Sanger and Oliver Wendell Holmes participate in this? Because I have to be honest with you, if you had told me what this subject matter was about, I would have then assumed, oh, this must have been done covertly by people that, like, didn't know what they were doing. Never would I have believed it went to this level. How, how, how do you think that happened? Well, it is true that one would think that this is just a, a, couple, a couple of backyard racists uh, somewhere in Mississippi. But in point of fact, a third of the sterilizations at any given time were done in, in, uh, in, uh, um, in California. Um, Connecticut was a hotbed of this uh, uh, of this genocidal program. In fact, in 1938, at a time when Jews were being turned into refugees across Europe, um, the Carnegie Institution was planning with the governor of Connecticut to create domestic refugees for the people of Connecticut who did not measure up to, you, to the eugenic expectations of uh, Harry Laughlin, who was the Carnegie Institution's man. Uh, and I think what we have seen throughout history is that um, uh, these great men are capable of great fraud and uh, in the name of great science. Um, this was a international movement which was applied locally. And the individuals behind this international movement uh, represented the brightest and the best in the American establishment, the judges, uh, the bank presidents, the wealthy people. And it shows exactly how prejudice and racism works. And it comes down to this formula, this important formula that I call A plus B plus C equals D. If A is the fear of the outgroup, there's somebody who's different from you, and B is a sense of arrogance, that creates a discriminatory feeling. What elevates that discriminatory urge from just a personal animus to something more powerful? And that's where we come in with C. We come in with money because money pervades power. And so consequently, money, the money of the Harriman Railroad Fortune, the money of, of the um, Carnegie Institution, of the Rockefeller Foundation, elevated this backyard and, and back parlor racism and pseudoscience into a genuine movement of institutional, accepted and settled science and knowledge. And yet it was all fraud. It was all based on nothing. 
And uh, so we must guard against this in the future, and we must always ask ourselves why. And we must never be convinced by credentials when it comes time to diminishing the quality of life of our neighbors. Oh, so, so unbelievable, but you know what's so true? Frightening, but true, the words. If you're just tuning in, and we're talking to Edwin Black, the author of War Against the Week and many other books, several, eight of them nominated for the Pulitzer Prize. This book talked about the first three decades of the 20th century where corporations and academia in the United States partnered together on a eugenics project that ended up making race policy issues a national issue with one goal, creating a master Nordic race and, of course, we, people with disabilities, weren't part of that plan, and that is why this book is so important. You know, today in the United States, only 35% of Americans with significant disabilities who want to work are working, and I have struggled with this forever, wondering why, why, why. Then when I read this book, I thought, wait a minute. If there was a time not that long ago that we wanted to forcibly sterilize people who we thought were different. No wonder they're having a hard time getting jobs today. And, and you know why I asked you that, Edwin? Now, all, everyone always says to me, the answer is education. And, of course, education is always important. But in this case, education, discriminatory feelings with that last thing you said, money, seem to create a big problem. I, wondered well, if I, think, I think we must differentiate between education illumination, and indoctrination. Mm. It's easy to indoctrinate people with a climate of fear. It, it is easy to take this backyard racism and add money to it so it can institutionalize itself. And that's exactly what eugenics did. It's self-certified. They created university chairs, high school curricula, uh, pseudoscientific journals. And so they could talk to each other and establish credence uh, not based on any real science or real information, but by talking to themselves and quoting each other. And this is something that did not take, that did not take place in just one corner of our land. This infected our entire society from the educational uh, systems, from the welfare systems, the medical systems. Uh, just everything about our society was cross-infected with this eugenic urge. And it's easy for that to replicate, because after it, was, after it was launched here, it blossomed in Nazi Germany. And I believe it has blossomed uh, other times um, in, uh, in the post-war period, especially among the American Indians, on the tribes, uh, on the tribal reservations, uh, especially in the Caribbean, in China, and then elsewhere. And now we're seeing the return of eugenics in eugenics, and eugenics is configured to qualify and disqualify your ability to function in society based not upon your bloodline, but upon your profitability. And insurance companies are leading the charge to determine who is insurable, who is mortgageable, who is hireable, and that will be based not solely on uh, on merit. And on, the, and on the character, and on the quality and quantity of your character, but upon how um, valuable you are 
to a corporation in terms of your health, projected health, health or perceived health, and other factors. I hope you heard that, perceived health. Yes, perceived health is the important part because what we've seen in in eugenics and what we see in modern discriminatory genetics, which is what the anti-genetic the anti-discrimination genetic legislation is doing, is addressing. What we see here is first a perception. I don't like this guy. He's a cripple. He's disabled. I think he's got epilepsy, etc. And then finding the um, uh, the scientific rationale to bolster that and then to take action, not based on any tenets of living with people and judging them on their character uh, and on their ability to contribute to society or their right to exist and enjoy life, but based upon this pseudo-information that uh, they have structured to support their conclusion. Hence, conclusion first, data second. That is what makes eugenics and all the pseudo-scientists and all the money behind them so dangerous. Oh, that is frightening. That is frightening. So, you know, if you're listening to the show, this hits all of us. And, again, War Against the Week by Edwin Black. Just so you know, we are all across the United States since, you know, telling people to read this book. We are all recommending this to people in the disability community and elsewhere because when you read it, I guarantee you, it will have the same impact on you that it had on me. Um, Edwin. One last thing. I wonder if you could comment for our listeners about the ruling of Oliver Wendell Holmes. Because, you know, here's another example when I read this book. Couldn't believe it. Yeah, I think of him as this great Supreme Court judge that I read about in school. Couldn't believe what he said on that ruling. Could you just talk about that one minute? Well, Oliver Wendell Holmes was a... uh was a uh, example of uh, his own times. It's true he was a uh, towering figure within the, 20, within the 20th century, but he was a product of the post-Civil War era. In fact, he uh, fought in the Civil War. And uh, just as we know that the uh, uh, post-Vietnam era and uh, the 21st century is being run by people who emerged from the Civil War, uh, from the uh, Vietnam War, the people who emerged from the American Civil War really were running the 20th century. And his ideals were the same as those uh, of governing society, is that many, many people were more worthy than other people. And it was Oliver Wendell Holmes who ruled on a collusive lawsuit that was clearly devoid of any evidence and any proper uh, a due process, uh, filed uh, without the permission of an individual, collusively, where both the prosecution and the defense uh, teamed up to uh, jointly fabricate a, a course of trial, an appellate process, and then finally uh, a presentation to the Supreme Court, and he played along uh, openly and knowingly and declared that it is better that uh, three generations uh, of Americans, meaning an entire family, uh, be eliminated. Uh, it'd be better for all the world. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. He opened the floodgates, and thereafter, tens of thousands of people were sterilized who previously uh, jurisdictions and states were afraid to move forward on. I'll never forget that. Never, ever will I forget that ruling in those words. 
three generations of imbeciles. That's right. Three generations of imbeciles are enough. And remember, when he used the word imbecile, it was a scientific term. Yes. It was the word moron. Right. And we're going to talk about that when we come back with our champion, Edwin Black, author of War Against the Week, IBM in the Holocaust, several other books we'll talk about in a minute. You're listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. At Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S. and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And this is Joyce Bender. We're talking to Edwin Black, the author of War Against the Week. And after we take this call, we'll tell you about his new book coming out. Uh, but we have a caller on the line. Hello? Judy? Yes. Yes, Judy. Yes. How are you? How are you? Thank you for calling in. Well, you know, Joyce, I, I, I can't tell you how shocked I've been by uh, the, the conversations that you've been having with Mr. Black. I mean, this is something uh, that uh, I certainly was not, you know, 
you know, aware of at, at, at this level. I uh, certainly know things went on, but never realized that uh, uh, something came out of the Supreme Court uh, on genocide. Uh, I know that in Pennsylvania, people with epilepsy were not allowed to get married as late as the 1950s. Uh, but this, uh, you know, uh, seemingly, uh, I guess it isn't seemingly, I mean, this was actually planned uh, to do something and to hurt people with disabilities. It's just so shocking. And uh, what question do you have, ma'am? Um, my question is, uh, you, you, you talk about the fact that the insurance companies are doing this today. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I know that they're doing this today. I know that they only want to have insurance for well people. And uh, I was wondering what we can do as citizens uh, to uh, stop this. Is there any way, is, do we have any power? Is there any way that we can empower other people to stop these things from happening? And excuse me one minute, Edwin. This is uh, Judy Painter, who is the executive director of the Epilepsy uh affiliate in western and central Pennsylvania, and is on the national board. Go go ahead, Edwin. Well, um, uh, I predicted there would be uh, uh, anti-genetic discrimination legislation in my book, and within a month or two of it coming out, uh, the Senate passed it uh, unanimously. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unanimously. And uh, that was a trick because they knew that they could uh, vote for it unanimously and have it held up in the House of Representatives. And the House of Representatives is being heavily lobbied by the insurance industry, which is claiming the insurance field cannot go forward unless it can prejudge you, not based upon actuarial actuarial reality, but but upon your bloodline and your grandfather's conditions, which they will then interpret as they need you, as they need to, to either deny or uh, sustain your coverage. So, uh, if you want to talk to your uh, to your congressman, you'll ask them why this hot burner issue that was unanimously passed by the Senate does not have their vote. What are they doing about? It? And don't take their long-winded explanations and their request for a study. It was unanimous in the Senate immediately, mm-hmm. and and it was endorsed by the White House. Why is it being held up? Try to get them to sign a pledge to sign this. And all and all the groups should get in touch with all their local representatives and make this a do-or-die issue because if they aren't prepared to sign off on the right for you to exist as a functioning member of society, the right to get a job, the right to buy a home, the right to be insured, the right to be counted in as a functioning member of society, not based upon prejudice, but based upon a gene lining, which is the new successor to redlining, formerly the, um, the economic basis of discrimination, now we have a genetic basis of discrimination, then they cannot get your vote. Get it on paper. And if they won't give it to you on paper, if they won't explain themselves and they won't commit to voting for this very important legislation, just say no to that vote. Okay. Is there a special House bill number uh, that's, that's on, on the House floor that's being considered, or is this just uh, something that's, that's uh, sitting there that they're you know ignoring and hoping that they can sweep under the table somehow because people aren't aware of it? 
Well, I would say that uh, if you go to your local senator, if you go to your local house and ask them about the Genetic Anti-Discrimination Act, or go to your local senator and say, what is the, what is the bill that you endorsed unanimously? Mm-hmm. And now going to a house. Now, remember, one of the tricks that they do is to come up with five similar bills and amend it to death, like they did with Medicare reimbursement. Right. It's important to understand that the version that the Senate passed unanimously, mm-hmm. why has the House not even brought up to a vote? Because you're being tricked, because you're being fooled, and because you have vastly less money to spend on lunches and, and golf outings than the lobbyists. Right, but we have a lot of people, and, and what we need, Joyce, I think, is to get the disability community together to start screaming about this. Yeah, okay. don't count unless you count them. Mm-hmm. When you count them and stand together to be counted, only then will you count as a group of individuals. Uh, Judy, one recommendation, and I thank you for calling in, that I would make is to put this show on your website highlighting what we talked about and um, a link to this book, War Against the Week, mm-hmm. and I can send you information on uh, Edwin, but then I think you should write about that. And we also have a website devoted to this topic called WarAgainstTheWeek.com. You can go to WarAgainstTheWeek.com or EvelynBlack.com and understand that the same mentality that tried to eliminate people, uh, eliminate uh, white guys with brown hair Mm -hmm. because there were uh, bastardized uh, uh, white people, the same mentality that tried to eliminate the existence of all people wearing glasses, the same mentality that wanted to eliminate all the Jews and the Southern Italians and the Indians and the Mexicans and the Hispanics and all the... And African Americans and... African Americans and all of that in the name of science, in the name of utopia, in the name of perfecting society, these people also want to eliminate what they believe are the unqualified. And sure enough, they, use, they can use the word feeble-minded and epileptic to describe anyone that they want to. And lo and behold, they never actually came up with a scientific or measurable definition for feeble-minded and never for, uh, ep- for epilepsy during the time that eugenics fl- flourished. It was just a catchphrase. Mm-hmm. Well, well uh, I, I told you that it, you can see anyone listening, and Judy, you can see we have our work cut out yes, for we do. us. And, and Judy, I, I mean, I, you, I, I get things on the web that says, you know, like stop the fact that you know, like A and T and T is trying to control the website, but no one, I don't get any of these, uh, you know, sign these. You know, I'm getting, uh, I get a lot of things to sign this petition, you know, and for good reasons for breast cancer and stop the uh, genocide in Darfur and things like that, but. You know, why isn't someone in charge who's sending out emails to everyone that they know to say, stop this from happening? Well, now we will. Well, you know, uh, when I go on my next book tour in, um, uh, in September, uh, in addition to speaking about the topic of my next book, I will be happy to also take time out to speak to all the people who have organizations devoted to the theme of this program uh, and talk to them about eugenics. And we will take you up on that. Judy, thank you for calling in. Thank you so much uh, for what you do, Joyce. Uh, this is, you know, this is a wake-up call to all of us, and I, I hope that uh, 
And we can start a movement here. We will, and I'll be in touch with you. All right. You thank take you, care, Judy. And thank you, Mr. Black, very much. And thank you. Bye-bye. Um, you know what? Let's talk about that next book. I want to make sure that we get to talk about that next book and when it's coming out so that we're ready to buy it. Okay. Well, the next book is called Internal Combustion. And uh, Internal Combustion will be uh, uh, published by St. Martin's Press. It will be very important to the disability community because we talk about why there are not uh, electric cars today when, in fact, this country had thousands of of electric cars over 100 years ago. We talk about our addiction to oil and the fact that oil is creating disabled people every day with nerve disease, with brain damage, with lung damage. One in six have asthma and must carry an atomizer uh, among the school children of, um, of California. It's internal combustions, how corporations and governments addicted us to oil and subverted the alternatives. This is a book that every person must read to rise up angry and understand that new disabled are being created every day by our, by our continuing addiction to hydrocarbons, our continuing addic- addiction to the internal combustion machine, and to petroleum. It's as though everybody was sitting around the office getting secondhand smoke. And that is what the internal combustion machine is doing while we're driving up and down to the epilepsy meeting. We're poisoning our neighbors. And that is because the technology that we had, electric cars, hydrogen cars, we had hydrogen cars a half a century ago, are being subsumed and ignored by oil interests. And they're trying to stretch oil out until the last drop has been pumped, and then miraculously, uh, 20 to 30 years from today, switch to the new technology. We can do it today. We can save future generations, and I expect your listeners will be among the vanguard. That's internal combustion, and more information will be coming through your show in the weeks to come. All right, you heard the Edwin Black's new book, Internal Combustion, coming out September 15th, and we will have Edwin back on or have more information about this book for all of our listeners because I would encourage all of you to purchase that. Remember, people are being coming disabled. That's what he's talking about, through what we're allowing to happen. And there is an advanced page on it at Amazon.com. You can't get the book, but you can pre-order it and make sure that you get yours before the first ones disappear. Amazon.com. You can pre-order this book, Internal Combustion, by Edwin Black at Amazon.com. Make sure you get it because I know it will be another bestseller. You've been listening to the great Edwin Black, who is one man who's fighting to speak for those that cannot speak. This is Joyce Bender on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back with Edwin Black. Bringing you around the world right from your desktop, voiceamerica.com. 
At Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dogs. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. Bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Welcome back, and we've been talking to the author, Edwin Black. Just one comment I want to make before we take a couple callers. We have his new book coming out this September, Internal Combustion, talking about what happens and how we have people without disabilities that will be disabled through oil, through gas, through, as he said, sort of like secondhand smoke. But you know what else? If you don't have gasoline, if you don't have oil, you can't go to work. If you can't afford it, you can't go to work. Don't forget that internal combustion coming out in September by Edwin Black. We have a caller on the line. Yes, hi, Joyce. It's Andy Andy. Andy Imperato, CEO of the American Association of People with Disabilities, quoted in People Magazine on that article about spina bifida. Go yeah, ahead, that was Andy. Me. <laughs> Thanks, Joyce, for taking my call. I guess I had a, a comment and a question first. I just want to thank your guest for his excellent book, The War Against the Weak. Uh, I learned about it from the head of the ARC, which does advocacy for people with intellectual disabilities, and I learned about it last summer and got a copy of it, and my law student intern and I both read it, and it had a big impact on both of us. She wants to do full-time bioethics work, 
uh, upon graduation, uh, and I'm hoping that she'll do that at AAPD. So I really want to thank you for your leadership and, and for telling the history in such a compelling way. The question I had has to do with where one draws the line between eugenics and public health. And the reason I asked that question is I recently went to the Deadly Medicine Museum at the Holocaust, the Deadly Medicine exhibit at the Holocaust Museum, which I imagine you've probably seen. And, you know, to me, a lot of the rhetoric that was used by the Nazis was basic public health rhetoric, and then it kind of crossed the line at some point. But it's not really crystal clear to me that the language that the March of Dimes uses to this day to discuss children with disabilities does not lead to eugenic ideologies. And I'm just curious from your perspective, is there a clear line between general public health rhetoric and when we start getting into the world of eugenics? Well, that's a, a fascinating question. Quite apropos. Uh, you ask uh, whether this is all, where does public health uh, uh, take off and eugenics take up? Remember, please, that Oliver Wendell Holmes, Oliver Wendell Holmes, when he's made his ruling that uh, three, um, uh, three generations of imbeciles were enough based upon specious findings and uh, racist suppositions, that when he made that, uh, a little known part of the um, of the um, judicial opinion that he wrote, based it on vaccination, public vaccination for syphilis. Mm -hmm. So he said, if you can vaccinate the public against syphilis, that which was a which was a post World War One phenomena, right. then you then you can vaccinate the public against imbeciles, the unworthy, and you vaccinate them by sterilizing them. You sterilize them, and so this was a public health need. Now, the Nazis um, took this and declared that, yes, it's just public health. The Jews are bacteria. The Jews spread disease by their very uh, presence, by their intermarriage. And uh, so they put this in terms of uh, public health. Because, remember, the Nazis distorted everything. The cops became the bad guys and the villains. The doctors became the killers. Public health became public menace. And uh, as far as the deadly medicine uh, show at the Holocaust Museum, uh, while that's a very good show and I'm happy that they have it, that show is afraid to tell the truth about America's role because the Holocaust Museum has an unstated policy of omitting America's role in the Holocaust of Europe. And so they do not discuss the fact that it was the Rockefeller Foundation that financed the spread of eugenics in uh, uh, in Nazi Germany, and that it was the Rockefeller Foundation who financed Mengele's boss for shower, and then sent him into and it was he that sent him into Auschwitz. Um, uh, the Holocaust Museum does not mention any of this because of the question that Joyce asked me before. Why isn't this taught? And the reason it's taught is because we don't want to explain the true antecedents. We would rather talk about, we would rather treat um, uh, Nazi anti-Semitism and Nazi prejudice against the disabled back to Martin Luther in, in, in the 1500s rather than trace it back to Oliver Wendell Holmes uh, in 1927. Well, and can I ask a follow-up question? Because I, I very much appreciate you know a lot more about this topic than I do. What I'm struggling with 
is I don't want to be perceived as being anti-public health in general. So what I'm trying to figure out is, is there a way, those of us who are disability advocates and who are fierce opponents of eugenics, is there a way for us to interact with well-meaning people in the field of public health of course that field in a way that it doesn't lead to these kind of eugenics ideologies? And that is the second part of your important question, and the second half of the answer is this. Public health should not afflict. Public health should improve. Improve the quality of life. Make every person count. A person has a vision problem. You don't throw them in the river. You get them glasses. A person has a great mind and a great creative spirit in his death. Maybe his name is Beethoven. He can make a great symphony. Uh, Stephen Hawking, a brilliant mind, uh, a man who cannot use his hands, and yet this man can explain the universe. Public health should not afflict anyone. Mm-hmm. The threshold between public health and public prejudice is whether we are hurting anyone or whether we are improving. I, I understand. I think that that makes sense. The hard part for me is let's apply that to like a cochlear implant debate within the deaf community or let's apply that to somebody who gets a prenatal diagnosis that their child is going to have Down syndrome. The public health answer is have an abortion. The public health improvement answer is get the cochlear implant. And sometimes, you know, the disability rights perspective would not support those quote-unquote improvements. That's right, because there are some in the deaf community who, uh, including a, a family in, in uh, Bethesda, who said, we want a deaf child. Right. And they genetically engineered um, a, uh, a, a deaf child mm-hmm. in the child that they conceived. And there are dwarfs who uh, understandably do not want a uh, average-sized person right. when they would want to um, uh, uh, genetically engineer a dwarf. Right. So the real public health question is, are we going to allow segments of our society for whatever reason to uh, engineer a dwarf race or a deaf race? And so it's another, it's, it's another face of that important coin that is twirling before us as we're trying to understand where public prejudice and public health uh, lies. And the answer is, are we going to improve the lot of individuals and the lot of societies? You cannot improve society by harming one person. Mm-hmm. You cannot. And harming is also killing. Harming oh, yeah. is... Harming is harming is killing, mm-hmm. and um, uh, this is a basic tenet that goes back all the way through uh, uh, all society to the um, uh, uh, to the first codes of Hammurabi and long before. And Edwin, I just want to say that you know Andy Imperato here, who is the head of the largest cross disability organization. AAPD that I am honored to be on the board is the reason I'm talking to you because he is the person that called and told me to read War Against the Week. And Andy, I have to thank you so much for the, for what you did uh, making that recommendation. And I know you know we'll be recommending this book everywhere. Well, and I just want to share with your author, and then I'll hang up. That uh, we actually recommended that book to be publicized on the the website of the Leadership Conference on Civil Rights. They publicize a book uh, a month, 
and they asked us for a recommendation, and your book was at the top of my list. So I just want you to know how big a fan I am of that book and of your work. Well, thank you very, very much, and I can only hope that my successive book, that my successive books will meet with the same approval, and I think that the one I'm working on now will really rally the disability community because, as Joyce says, and as I have pointed out, um, uh, it, we are creating disabled people uh, every day by driving up and down the streets in these internal combustion cars, and we are creating more disabled people every day overseas by protecting the, um, the supply lines from the Middle East to bring that oil to the United States. And when so many alternatives that will not cause disease and medical harm and will not cause petropolitical violence are available to us, why do, we, why do we do this at the cost of creating a whole new generation of disabled? Well, and that book, Internal Combustion, Andy, will be out in September. Great. Thank you, Joyce. Thank you, Andy. Yep. You know, I have never had a show yet where I could not get through all these questions because you can see how wonderful Edwin Black has been. I want to say one thing before I close this show. This man, as well-known, as famous as he is, got right back to me and agreed to be on this show. So you better go out and buy his books, and we'll have him back on to talk about his new book, Internal Combustion. Uh, Edwin, it is my honor that you chose to spend time with us. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for giving me a moment to speak to you and all the important people who are listening. Well, we'll want to have you back on because I had to leave a whole group of listeners on the line here. But, Edwin, before I go, we end every show with a famous saying by a great civil rights leader. And here it is today. After reviewing thousands upon thousands of pages of documentation and pondering the question day and night for nearly two years, I realize it does just come down to one word. It was more than self-validation and self-certification of the elite, more than just power and influence joining forces with prejudice. It was the corrupter of us all. It was arrogance, says Edwin Black, March 15th. 2003. Buy his books, tell everyone about him, and buy that new book. Edwin, thank you again, and keep on speaking for us. Thank you very much, and goodbye. Uh, Bye-bye. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters, right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.